when I walk by the ocean, because I'm very lucky, I, I live close to the ocean, you know, in, I'm here in San Francisco. Uh, I have access to the beautiful Pacific Ocean. And when I walk there, uh, I feel again that same sense that I felt in Africa, which is that I'm very small. The ocean is very large mm. and vast and, 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 and mysterious and, and, and compelling. And uh, it, there's, you, just, you can just continue to let yourself be part of that. And you can feel like your nervous system calms down and, and gets quieter and gets more peaceful and the whole thing, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's immediate for me when I go by the ocean, it happens, you know, and I remember that, that happening in Africa, just looking at that vast landscape. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us, we have a world traveler. traveler. She has been throughout the world since the age of 11. And she has been to places like Europe, India, Cambodia, Bhutan, Japan, Kenya, China, Burma, Vietnam, Thailand, Cuba, and many other places in the world. And um, she has so many interesting stories to share with us. Of course, many of them relating to, to gratitude. And of course, she's also an author and she, she has put her experiences into written word and she's actually an award-winning author of the book Bowing to Elephants, Tales of a Traveler, Travel Junkie. Her name is Mag Diamond and she's here with us and I'm very, very excited. Hi, Mag. Hi there. So yeah. let's... Let us know a little bit more about you, about your background, your story. It's pretty exciting to, to have been traveling so much. It's, it's a dream for, for many of us to be tra world travelers. How, how was your experience with this? Well, it, it all started when, uh, when I was about 11 and my mother um, decided, uh, my mother was a very sort of independent and uh, sort of a romantic person and she decided she wanted to go live in Italy and so um, she had just uh, remarried for so she was married for the second time uh, my father was 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 uh, gone and she wanted to go live in in Italy and she was an artist uh, herself so uh, the idea of living in Italy you know it meant that she could be close to art and beautiful things and so that's where she decided she wanted to go. And so that's where we went and we lived there for three years. And, uh, I went to an, inter uh, both an American school and an international school, but all the friends that we made when we lived there for those three years were Italians. So I became bilingual, uh, in those three years. And, um, and I fell in love with the country. I, I, um, I felt so lucky to, have that opportunity um 
and so excited. And I wrote back to my friends in America and I uh, went on and on about it. And I kept a journal. I kept a, a, a you know, a diary and, and uh, I wrote in it all the time about my experiences. And I, and that's essentially the beginning of the telling of my story. Um, it, it never stopped. I, I never discontinued the journal. I always wrote in it as I got older, um, you know, many more journals later. Um, so when we came back, uh, I went to, I finished high school and I went off to college and that sort of thing. And I got married very young and, but I still wanted to travel. And so I talked my husband into traveling and we went to Europe and um, we went to Mexico and that sort of thing. And then um, uh, my life went on and I just kept thinking about things I wanted to know in the rest of the world. Um, And when I divorced my husband and had a new relationship, I spent a lot of that time uh, planning trips and that's where some of the more exotic trips uh, happened like to India and to uh, to Africa uh, and Africa was very very important to me um, and uh, Europe and South America and all the rest of it uh, you know I didn't have to work for a living I was very fortunate uh, to have an inherited income so uh, I had a lot of freedom to move around and um, and I had ways that I could get my my two children taken care of. So sometimes I took my children on trips, but but often I left them with friends and um, uh, and I just went off to discover things uh, about about the world. I I think because I never felt that being in a foreign country was was anything that was intimidating or uh, confusing. Uh, I mean, it was more something that I wanted to experience and wanted to kind of connect with people of different cultures. Um, so it became sort of the ruling vision of my life. You know, I, I also did, I went back to college and I became a college teacher. I taught writing and literature, but um but it was the traveling. It was the finding out new things that, um, that was really important to me having that freedom and, um, and the inspiration that came from making friends with somebody in India or, um, or in Africa for that matter. Uh, it, it, um, I, I was always a child as a child. I was always somebody that wanted to learn things. I always wanted answers to questions. And I drove my mother kind of crazy because (laughs) she didn't want to answer. Uh, There's a lot of things she didn't want to answer. And then there's things that she didn't know how to answer. So it was like, um, you know, I I just had this insatiable need to uh, understand things. I was an only child. um, So I had no sisters or brothers. And, uh, and I was lonely. So I was only, and I was lonely, uh, because my mother didn't pay much attention to me. And, um, but I read a lot and, and my reading and my studying that I did in school kind of was like fuel for me to think about traveling and going different places. 
Mm-hmm. So it all came out of that curiosity that I had as a young, as a really young person. Um, and the curiosity is still there and I'm 74. So wow. uh, that's a, it's, it's a great quality to, uh, to own up to, to say that I'm, that you're a really curious human being. Um, like it, it's good for one to be curious. Yeah, I, t- I totally resonate with that. And I think one of the, um, one of the things that keeps, keep us uh, healthy, especially mentally, and uh, that keep us young is this curiosity, is that attitude that there are still things to discover, things to learn, and that that makes you excited about what's next and what what you can still find out. And on this idea, what are some of the things that you found out about the world or in the world that surprised you in your trips? Well, I I was very surprised when I got to um, um, when I got to Africa. I'll just take that as a starter. Um, that I that even though I was surrounded by people whose skin was dark. Uh, I never felt different from them. Um, I recognized that our customs were different. You know, our traditions were different. Um, we, we in America don't have the kind of ceremonies and, and, and sort of love of nature that they do in Africa. But um, uh, it, there was a feeling of just of ease, you know, of just being with, with, just human beings and they were very dark skinned and I was very white skinned. And so that was kind of astonishing. Um, when I, when I went to, uh, India, I, I was astonished at the, the humanity that I discovered, the generosity of spirit and the, the warmth and the kind of, um, sense of being invited in, despite the fact of the, of the dire poverty and the deprivation in India. So in other words, you know, you can be generous um, even when you're as poor as dirt, you know, when you don't have anything. And um, so there's a level of, of um, sort of spiritual understanding in India, I believe, uh, or a sense of the, embracing of all humanity that um means it doesn't again it's there's no relationship to your economic uh you know well-being it's it's just it's there in the culture and that that was very moving to me to see that um so those are two things um uh, i was interested when i went to cuba i haven't written about cuba in the book but when I went to Cuba again, the curiosity <laughs> that the Cubans have about Americans, <coughs> excuse me, um, they, they've, been, they've been, you know, shut off from exposure to the United States uh, over many decades, but um, they, they have this warm sort of sense of, of, of wanting to reach out and, and curiosity. And well, perhaps that's natural because 
they don't know much about us. And, um, and what the government, what their government tells them about us is, uh, is propaganda and not, not very often true. So there was an interesting dynamic there of this sort of uh, friendliness and, 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 like I say, curiosity again. Beautiful. Uh, I, I want to get, get in a little bit deeper into um, what you said about the people from Africa, uh, their love of nature. I think um, it's, it's something that has to do with gratitude, the fact that they appreciate all of the things that nature gives them. And I felt the same way when I was in Bali. I felt uh, the same kind of appreciation that they had this, this same kind of appreciation and love for nature and for its generosity. And um, I, I wanted to ask you, did you feel that, that gratitude for, uh, for life in general in, in Africa? Well, I've, Africa was probably one of the most sort of transformative places I've been um, because even from the very first time I was there, I had the sense of the privilege, uh, that I was privileged to be there, that uh, it was a gift to me to be able to be out in the wild with people teaching me about the wild, about, about the land, about the animals, about all of it. And, um, and one of the revelations I had was how small human beings really are in the vast landscape of the world. I mean, we, we are little, little dots, you know, and you look at the landscape and you have this vastness um, with trees and, and grasses and all this beautiful stuff. And, and then the wild animals, you know, all variety of wild animals. And it's their kingdom. It's their place. And you're uh, like a visitor, you know, and, um, and again, you're very, you're small in, in comparison to they, to them. And I loved the feeling that I was all of a sudden small and that, um, that there was this vastness that I was watching and beginning to understand, you know, to learn about. Uh, I came away with this feeling of just a full heart, you know, it was like, it was really quite something. And I knew when I left that time, first time, after uh, that first visit that I would go back and I've been back three times um, pretty much to the same part of Africa, East Africa. Um, but it's, it, it, it is very, um, it's very refreshing as a human being to be alleviated of this responsibility that you're the most important thing in the, in, in the universe, you know, mm. it's very, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a gift again. I mean, it's like to let go of this feeling of, of you are, you're everything. Um, cause we're part of, we're part of what everything is. We're not, we're not at all ourselves. And in Africa, that's where I kind of had that kind of understanding. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It was really, it really was like a spiritual kind of you know revelation and um and it was like i it was like 
It was also like when you just fall in love with something, you know, you fall in love with the sense of this is the way things should be. We should be living in this harmonious way with nature and with the animals, you know, and we should not be trying to dominate the animals or to, to control the, the, the landscape. We should be living in harmony with it. And, and, um, and that's what you witness in Africa, or at least the part of Africa where I was, you know. There's this sense of, this, this long-standing sense of understanding of uh, being in harmony with nature and, and not fighting it and, um, and honoring it. Um, yeah, it's quite something. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's very interesting since... Um, I've done more than 100 interviews by now. I've talked with many people about gratitude. And one of the most um, common things that people do to feel grateful is to reconnect with nature. And I think that's very interesting, especially um, taking into consideration what you just said, the fact that we feel that we are part of something bigger and that we are lucky enough to um to have this home this place that actually gives us everything that we need one way or another it's it's just very fulfilling and it's it's a great reminder for for us all yeah i i think so the when you asked me a series of questions about what i um you know ways in which i uh might try to find gratitude, um, you know, even when it's hard. One of the things I remember writing down um, in answer to that was that I walk by the, by the ocean. Um, That when I walk by the ocean, because I'm very lucky, I I live close to the ocean, you know, I'm here in San Francisco. Uh, I have access to the beautiful Pacific Ocean. And when I walk there, uh, I feel again that same sense that I felt in Africa, which is that I'm very small. The ocean is very large mm. and vast and, 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 and mysterious and, and, and compelling. And uh, it, there's, you, just, you can just continue to let yourself be part of that. And you can feel like your nervous system calms down and and gets quieter and gets more peaceful and the whole thing you know it's like it's 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 immediate for me when i go by the ocean it happens you know and i remember that that happening in africa just looking at that vast landscape it felt that i would become peaceful just just being there yeah it's amazing I, I just remember something that I experienced when I was by the seaside at one point. Uh, it was at night and it, the, the sky was very clear. And uh, it was like a really large space. So no big buildings or anything else um, in a very large radius. And I could see, I could understand the fact that we are on this planet. Like I could see the fact that we are uh, on this planet and uh, we are all here together. And it was so interesting to to realize that because usually we are, we're more focused on 
the immediate things that we see and it's it's not very often that we we realize where we are actually and it was an amazing feeling for me as well yeah i i think it's um i'm i'm a practicing buddhist and i've been a buddhist for about 20 some odd years and one of the main pieces of wisdom that i have uh taken in from from that practice is that i am part of everything else you know and yes i have my own distinct qualities and you know contributions but but i'm just part of the family of of humans and nature and um that i'm connected to it all and and i think we in the western culture uh, in particular we live these uh, unrealistic lives of being in our heads most of the, a lot of the time you know yeah and we operate off of certain you know things that we've learned and ways to become successful and you know get the things that we want but but that's all stuff that gets man- is manufactured by our brains and and not necessarily by our hearts and, and the heart is the the heart is what is closer to nature you know the, the the power of the human heart is closer to nature and um and and that tells the truth more than the brain does the brain just keeps going and saying oh yes you want to uh you want to have a, a good vacation and so here's where you're going to go for your vacation or you want to uh, make some money so here's a good plan that you know maybe it'll get you some money i mean there's all these hoops that the brain gets you to jump through that are sort of unrealistic and, um, and don't often get you to happiness. Um, and when you feel your common bond with uh, your communion with uh, your fellow beings, that's when you feel the happiness. That, and, and that's also what happens in nature, like we were saying before. It's what happens to our, to our hearts. Um, so the Western people need more, you need much more of an infusion of the uh, practices of Buddhism because, uh, because it's a very wise way of life really. And it's all about non-harming and it's about compassion and, and loving kindness. And it's, and it's not about being in your brain. It's, it's, it's not about thinking that your brain has all the answers. Yeah, I believe that that's so important. And the, the the sad thing is that we usually don't realize it until we we have an experience that doesn't have to do something with uh, uh, with our brain. Like if if it's something that you know, I don't know, that's more emotional or something like this, we realize, oh my God, I was I was in my head for so much time. And usually, many of the the problems that we have when in regards to mental health come from this, from being so much in our, in our right. heads and yeah. not in, a, not so much in our hearts and um, just forgetting that we are not just our minds and our brains. We are much more as human beings. And yeah, I totally believe that. And I also wanted to get to to something else that I thought was very interesting that that you that you wrote about 
what you do when it's hard to be grateful that you like to prepare beautiful food <laughs> right <laughs> i love this i love this how how well, does it work for you well uh, this again this will uh, i'll take us back to my book because in my book uh in the beginning uh when i'm living in italy we have a woman that works for us uh works for my parents and she cooks for us and she's um she's a peasant woman she's totally you know uh, uneducated and so on but she is a magician in the kitchen so i spend a lot of time with her uh i'm 11 years old at this point and i am and i love to eat i always did like to eat from the time i was even younger and i would spend and we watch her do her preparing her, her her managing of everything that she was going to produce for us and i just became captivated and uh so i learned i learned all these things from her uh about how you make the perfect uh, salad dressing how you make uh a beautiful mayonnaise how you uh how you find the best chicken at the market you know when you go um because I went with her places. So I had this education as a young girl and it made me totally convinced that the preparing of food is a again it's another uh it's an act of love and um and it's and it can be a, a ritual and a and a practice that you do that makes you feel good. Um you know you get a nice plate, you have a beautiful uh glass to put whatever you're drinking in. You have you make it you make it you make it beautiful and then you prepare the food with love and it is giving yourself a gift so when i am sad and when i am you know feeling uh like i'm lacking hope uh if i prepare food uh i i immediately alter the state of my heart i just i feel better because i'm giving myself something that's loving exactly it's, and all it's... of and all of us humans need to learn how to do that we need to learn how to love ourselves you know that's the, where exactly. it all starts that's so true that's so true and um being ha- having been to to italy i i know how much people there can love food and i've been to some places uh myself but i think in italy people love food the most and they have like a tradition it's like some it's part of the culture it's something that's very unique to italians and um you you just fell fall in love with this and it's it's really an amazing experience and i can imagine how that got you to love this process so much well i've i've written a lot of in my journals that i would keep uh, you know on all the different trips i went on like i say i kept journals the whole time and i always wrote about what i was eating wherever i was you know what i mean i would, if when i was in vietnam or when i was you know in in south america or whatever i would write about the kind of food i was eating because it was interesting to me and and because food is such a uh, reflection of the culture mm. and the history i mean it has to do with the history and the culture of the place yeah. um 
and all the ways that it's prepared and the, you know, the tools that are used and the way it is. And in Japan, which of course has very, very powerful ritual around food. Um, it's an art form in a way. Um, and so I always wanted to record that as I was going along on my journeys, you know, because, because I thought it was, there was a lot to be said about, you know, about a people who make food a certain way. And, and then you can incorporate that in your own life. If you're so motivated, you know, you can figure out how to prepare different kinds of food. Um, I mean, you have to be interested in eating, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I tend to believe that many of our listeners are so, they if they appreciate um many of the things that uh, they enjoy in, in their life that they have in their life usually one of the those things are um eating and good food so i'm i'm guessing that people resonate with this because <laughs> i am that kind of person so probably uh, it's it's the right people to talk about um these kinds of things but um since we're nearing the end of our time together i wanted to ask you uh firstly what does gratitude mean for you personally well it's it's a very rich uh topic i mean it's a to me it um i associate gratitude with certain people in my life um I, as I said in, in my in a written answer to you, I also see gratitude as sort of conveying the sense that we're all connected. Like we, I, we've talked about a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. we are part of a larger human family. And that's something to be grateful for. That's something to feel thankful for. Um, we have a common humanity. And, and in that common humanity, there is great beauty. There's great kindness. There's great, there are gifts everywhere. And so we're not just alone floating through life. You know, we're, we're part of this larger thing. And that just, that just makes me, sometimes when I feel sad, I think about sharing suffering and sharing joy with all kinds of people I don't even know. So, so gratitude means that to me. But it also, gratitude means uh, my family. It means the mother that brought me into the world that even didn't know how to take care of me, but she gave me life, you know. Mm-hmm. My grandmother who tended me, who, who looked after me as, uh, as a sort of what we call a fairy godmother person, you know. <laughs> um, I, gratitude absolutely is associated with this woman who, uh, gave showed me love in a way that nobody else in my life did, um, and gratitude is also my in my own family that I created. You know that myself, I, my daughters and my and my grandchildren. I uh, when I think about the fact that I have this family, I'm filled with this thankfulness that I did this, and it wasn't easy to raise children when I did. It, I was very young and I didn't know what I was doing, but boy, am I glad I did. And so, so it's that, 
had and, and the friendships I have and all the goodwill that seems to have, I have seems to have generated. And then, you know, last but not least, the fact that I had the uh, tenacity and the courage to create this book that I had wanted for so long to write and was so scared of doing. And I gathered my wits about me and I got some support and I spent several years doing it and, and I produced a beautiful book. And, and when I think of that, I'm sort of filled with this really grateful feeling like, Oh my God, I did this. And, and this is an articulation of things I've learned and the quality of my life and, and things that could touch any number of people, you know? So that's another thing that seems to emanate uh, gratitude for me. Amazing. Amazing. And there's other things too, but I mean, I could go on with a long list, but you know, we probably would run out of time. I could talk about classical music and food and, and, and art and, and my Buddhist practice, which is very, has given me a great amount of wisdom and, and, and sanity in my life. Amazing. But I'm guessing that um, a lot of that is in the book, right? Oh, a lot of it is. Yes. It very awesome. much. Yeah. I mean, it, the book is really about finding oneself in the world, you know, like traveling the world, but ultimately discovering who you are and discovering love and discovering love for yourself and discovering love of others and forgiving the people that have hurt you. And, you know, it's about, it's all about discovery and, and, and becoming a larger person, I think. Beautiful. And where can our audience find you? Where can they get in touch with you and uh, get your book? Well, I have a website, which is a very beautiful website, if I say so myself. I had a lot of help making it. So the website is magdiamond.com, and that's spelled M-A-G-D-I-M-O-N-D. And on my website, I have, I have a blog, I have news about the book, I have photographs, I have many fun things to see. I've also created a site uh, where I'm giving away a meditation tape that I made, and it's a loving-kindness meditation. And um, that website is bowingtoelephants.com slash gift. So people can go there and they can actually acquire a 10-minute loving-kindness meditation and then join my mailing list and become part of my community. So that's another way they can find me. Uh, I'm on Facebook, of course. Uh, Facebook.com slash travels with Meg. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all that sort of thing, but those things are, I think my website and my, my meditation tape site are the more important ways to connect with me. And in terms of buying my book, you know, there's always Amazon, which everybody in the world seems to know about. It's a good way to buy the book, um, inexpensive. And, um, but also I tell people to go to their independent bookstores. Certainly um, 
I like to support the independent stores because they're they're becoming fewer and fewer now, and it's it's kind of sad. Um, so that's the way to get to actually buy the book. But I urge people to look at the website because it tells a great deal about me and and about my sort of vision and and it also tells a great deal about the book. Yeah, and I love the the picture on the book. It it tells a it tells a really beautiful story, and uh, I'm sure that our listeners will be very curious about it. I will be putting uh, the links in the description. And um, in the end of our time together, I wanted to to thank you very much for for taking this time to have this chat and to sh and for sharing so many amazing pieces of wisdom well i i'm i'm so grateful talking about gratitude for you doing what you're doing and allowing people to speak their truth uh, i think that ultimately that's what's most important in a human life is that we get to speak our truth well jordan thank you so much for for your attention and uh, pointing the way to the book and and to the uh, the gifts of gratitude Hey Gratitude Seeker, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude.